me ask you a question. Um, matter of fact, I want you to I want you to think real hard. Okay. Um, have you ever Have you ever had those occasions where you just there's just not there's just there's just not another gear to get. I mean, there's just there's just nothing really left to draw from to get up enough energy to finish something that you're in the middle of or you're 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 trying to get accomplished or you're trying to get finished anybody ever feel like that and sometimes you get to the end of the day and you just wonder is there anything is listen i used to hear this all the time <clears throat> well son you just got to grab another gear well i already been through all five and there's not another one after five okay I mean, how, how, do you, how do you reach this other gear? How do, you, how do you draw this other gear to get going? Now, if you've driven a truck for very long, I had one that had 13 in it, plus an overdrive. So whenever somebody would use a phrase, well, you've got to grab another gear. Well, when you start to get to 11 and 12, your arm gets tired, okay? But we're all like that when it comes, when it comes to life. And I, and I will say this, the older I get, it's hard to get past third. Okay? And matter of fact, sometimes it's just it's difficult to get out of first to try to grab another gear. You know, one of the things I used to hear all the time, it's it's not so much on whether or not you lose or you win, but it's how you play the game. And it's not so much about whether or not you win or you lose, it's about finishing the game. And then they would always throw this on the top of it. But finishing it, giving it everything that you had. And so the, the question this morning would be for us, especially as believers and, and even as a church. I know for several Sundays we've talked about the church and a biblical healthy church. But let me ask you a question this morning. How do we as a church finish strong? Well, I will tell you how that works for the church to finish strong we need to finish strong have you ever thought about that you know I, we just had the funeral service this past week for for miss eddie Faye, just a dear saint of the lord and her concern as she got older in life that she just felt like there, there wasn't anything else that she could do there wasn't anything else that she could contribute there wasn't anything else that she could give and I used to try to encourage her, and I'd say, you may not physically be able to be here, but you can still be influential, and you can still have a part. If you don't do anything else but read and study your Bible on a regular basis and pray, pray for others, make phone calls. I used to ask her a lot, do you like to talk on the phone? Well, if you ever had her on the phone, she's going to talk for a while, Okay. So there are always things that we can do to be a part and to see that the work of God continues. But the other question comes down to this. How do we live courageously in a world that we're a part of? And I'll tell you this. Matter of fact, I, I, I got to the point after a while Saturday, I turned my phone off because if I saw another shooting come up on my phone, I was just absolutely to the point I was tired of hearing it. The world that we live in today is a, is a dark and evil place. And I will tell you this, it's not getting any better. 
And matter of fact, as we proceed down this path and things get considerably more difficult and we find ourselves in very difficult places, how do you finish strong? How do you still give it everything you've got? And if we're not careful, what we tend to do is also we start to put people up on pedestals and we put all of those that we oftentimes follow and we place these people up on pedestals and and when they stumble and fall it's like see there there's no excuse there's no reason for me to continue look at this one and look at this one and look at this one let me tell you what that's just what satan wants you to do is to get your eyes on everybody else instead of where it ought to be well my dear friend i'll tell you something where our motivation comes from is not everybody else our motivation comes from him matter of fact i I used to hear this to the point as a as a kid i got to I got to where I'd be the only kid in school that absolutely knew how to spell his name forward backward upside down inside out in any other way because I used to have to spell my last name all the time back to my dad here's what he'd ask because I'd always make this statement well so and so's doing it or everybody else is doing it and what he would do is he'd look at me and he said so what is what is your last name spell it it's not about everybody else it's about us individually in our relationship with the lord take your bibles and turn with me to hebrews chapter 10 we're going to start there and then we're going to make our way over to second timothy but I want you to notice something in Hebrews chapter number 10. How do we finish strong? How do we live courageously in the world that we're a part of? I mean, how do you do it? How do you take every day? How do you day after day, day after day, how do you stick with it? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through verse 25, I think sets the sets the stage for us to understand just how important it is. Starting in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to notice it says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, making a reference also, you could go back to chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews, and it talks about this confidence that we have to enter into the very presence of God. It's the same Greek word there. It's the, it's the, it's the confidence that we have. The confidence in who? The confidence in what? It's not in the confidence of ourselves. It's in the confidence of Jesus Christ and the relationship that we have. The reason that we can go into the presence of God is because of Jesus Christ, not because of us. And so when we consider that, we have this confidence in verse 19 that we can enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. You notice those words? Confidence. Full assurance of faith. And he goes on, the writer of Hebrews says, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful do do you see those because he the very one who promised is faithful we just sang about it his mercies are new every single morning 
Brother Andrew read from it in uh, Lamentations chapter number 3. It's all because of his faithfulness. You see, he is faithful. He is able. He is the one who keeps us. He is the one who can provide for us what is needed and necessary. We need to get out of the business of trying to do it all on our own and rely where we ought to rely on him. Because at the end of the day, when we go into his presence, it's not based upon who we are. It's all based upon what Jesus Christ has done. And Then it says... In verse 24, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. Where do we find our encouragement? It ought to be in the church. It ought to be in the house of God. Because I can tell you something. You're not going to, listen, you're not going to get what you need at home. You're not, you're not going to get it there. So as you consider this, when we're able, when we're, when we're at the point that we can be in the house of God, that's where we ought to be. Why? Because we encourage one another. There's exhortation that comes from the Word of God. There's a building together that, that comes as a result of us being together in this place. There's something called fellowship. There's something called worship. There's something called strengthening of each other. And I'll tell you something. You won't find it apart from being in the house of God. And then look at the end of verse 24 or 25. You would think, as the days are getting worse, that we would spend more time and make it a priority to be in the house of God. So where do we come up with the answers to live courageously in the world that we find ourselves in? I mean, how do you, how do, you do that? Is, is, there, is there something that we can draw from the Scripture to help us know how we ought to live that way? And there is. Take your Bibles and turn with me back to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I believe there are six principles that we can draw from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4 to help us in living out each day what we ought to live out in our lives. And I want to share them with you this morning. First of all, the first one is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 and verse number 12. It's to follow the model of the faithful. To follow the model of the faithful. Look at verse 10 through verse 12. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. In other words, Paul goes through the list. Basically, he looks at Timothy and he says, Timothy, you've watched me. You've seen me. And so he says, to be an example, and I will tell you, just from my heart to you this morning, let me tell you, those around us need to see our faith lived out. They need to understand that our faith is important to us. And it's amazing to me today that we as adults expect and require more out of our young people than we do out of ourselves. 
We're the ones that ought to set the example. We're the ones that ought to set the pace. Paul tells Timothy here, he says, you've watched me. You've followed me. You've seen me. And matter of fact, one of the things that Paul did not give him was just the finer points of living the Christian life. He said, you've also seen me in the times of persecution. He said, you know what I've been through. And all of the things that Paul had experienced in his life. And matter of fact, he lists some of them in verse number 11 at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured and out of them all. You ought to underline that last phrase. Out of them all, the Lord rescued me. He wound up in prison. But the Lord rescued him. For you see, Paul knew his life lay in the hands of God himself. Let me ask you a question. Do we believe that? If we do believe that, then we ought to live that way every day in our lives. Is it tough sometimes? Sure it is. Does the road get difficult sometimes? Sure it does. Is it sometimes difficult to reach down and grab another gear? Sure it is sometimes. Can it be disappointing sometimes? Sure it can be disappointing. But we don't quit. Let me ask you a question. Aren't you glad he didn't quit on you? So if he hadn't quit on us, and God hadn't quit on us, then, then why would we quit on him? And then in verse number 12, and notice what he says. He said, indeed. He said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, and you ought to underline that last phrase, will be persecuted. Yeah, but Brother Robert, you don't understand. I didn't sign up for persecution. Well, I hate to tell you, I hate to tell you this, but if you associate your name with Jesus Christ, you're going to be persecuted. But also, let me say this. We don't know what real persecution is today. Listen. There is nothing more encouraging or motivating than a model to keep us going. You say, so what model? Well, let me give you a few. You ready? Here's a few. I already know. Y'all know where I'm going with the first one. I know what he's going to say, Jesus Christ. You're correct. He ought to be at the top of the list. Are you ready? Let me give you some more. How about... How about one like Peter? How about one like Paul? How about another one by the name of Adoniram Judson? If y'all know who Adoniram Judson is. Here's another one. How about Lottie Moon? I bet y'all know who Lottie Moon is, don't you? You hear her once a year, don't you? ones who gave their entire life to the gospel you say well but you don't understand they had a specific calling from God himself hold on just a minute every single one of you in here is a born again child of God have the same calling of going and making disciples I don't care who you are 
You see, Paul reminds Timothy of the faith of his mother and his grandmother, of Lois and Eunice. He, re- he reminds Timothy of those. Many have gone before us, and they have marked the path well. So what motivates us? It ought to be the model of the faithful. Number two, we need to share the good news of the gospel. Go to chapter 4 and look at verse 1 and verse number 2. And let me say this before we read verse 1 of chapter 4. We need to be a path marker and be a course setter. It's what we need to be. We need to be a course marker. We need to be a course setter. Look at verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter number 4. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. And notice what he says, tells Timothy, just preach the word. Let me tell you what we need to get back to more than anything else is we just need to preach the word. We just need to teach the word. My dear friend, listen to me. It doesn't make any difference what any opinions are. It's what thus saith the Lord that's important here. What does the Word of God say? What does the Scripture say? So what we need to be doing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Notice what he tells him. He said to be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. In other words, be ready. And on other occasions, as Paul has written, you know, and even Peter We need to be ready with an answer of the hope that lies within sight of us. That's what's so. That's that is what's so desperately needed today. You know how? What does does the gospel motivate you? Does the gospel motivate you to share it with those around us, with those that are around you? Do you see when you look at somebody? Do you, do you wonder when you look at them? I wonder if they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Well, I can tell you, it doesn't take long to find out. Just mention his name. Just mention his name. I had someone that I asked the question, Are you a born-again believer? And they got upset with me because I dared ask them that question. Let me tell you something. I I love for people to ask me that question. Because let me tell you what it does. It allows us to enter into a conversation that's just oftentimes wonderful. I mean, why would I get upset if somebody asked me if I was a born-again child of God for? It shouldn't. Are you thankful for the gospel today? But wait a minute. Brother Roberts, you said something about sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, Wait just a minute. Do you mean me? Yeah, you. Every one of us. And I hear people say this all the time. I'm not a preacher. (laughs) So? Are you ready for this? Here it comes. All those who share the good news of Jesus Christ... We're all preachers of the gospel. Do you share the gospel? Is it something that's a part of our lives and who we are? In other words, is it a part of who you are? Do you understand the significance of the gospel? I mean, Brother Red sang that song this morning, 
talking about the foot of the cross and the blood and we sang these songs this morning that speak about the relationship that we have let me ask you a question has the idea of God become nothing more than just something we do versus do we really know who he is Number three, be a champion of the truth. Look at verse three through verse five. Be a champion of the truth. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth. You see that? They'll turn away their ears from which direction? From the truth. Let me tell you why. Because the truth of the word of God cuts against the very flesh nature that we find ourselves with today. It cuts against who we are. Because now instead of the fulfilling of our selfish desires and our own selfish lust and our own fleshly lust, we find now that those are to be put behind us. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I bring my body into subjection daily. Why? Because it was a battle with inside of himself. To bring his body into subjection on a daily basis. To understand and realize that to, to be a born-again child of God and to live in the, in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit should result in fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Against such there is no law. It cuts against everything that's within inside of us. And so when the going gets tough, when the going gets rough, endure hardship. Stay with it. Just keep on presenting Christ. Just live out the truth. Live out the gospel. Because I can tell you right now, if you share the gospel of Jesus Christ very often during the day, you're going to get a whole lot of folks that's going to tell you no. No, thank you. I'm not interested. Let me ask you a question. Do you quit sharing because they're not interested? Matter of fact, I had to get out of my comfort zone at one time in my life before I went into the ministry. I thought I wanted to be a salesman. I'm going to tell you something. My hat goes off to salespeople, okay? I will just tell you. Matter of fact, I had a couple of guys that said, here, we'll take you under our wing and we'll show you, okay? I honestly believe the two guys that I was friends with, they could have... They could have sold you a gallon of water from a well that had been dry for a thousand years in the Mojave Desert. They would make you where you wanted it so bad you didn't care how much it cost to get it. You were going to have it. You want to know how long my sales career lasted? About that long. 
Because I'd listen to these guys on the, I'd listen to these guys or I'd go with them on sales calls. Okay, because in my training, I'd go with them on sales calls. And boy, I'd watch them. They were slick. I mean, they, they knew exactly what to do. Boy, they'd go in, they'd strike up the conversation. I mean, and before long, we're leaving out of there and he's got two signed contracts. And I asked him when he got, how in the world did you do that? He said, just got to stick with it. And I never will forget one that I, let me tell you something, I looked up to him not only as a, as a believer, but also as a salesperson, okay? Let me tell you what he told me, and here's what he told me. He said, but what you haven't seen is all of those times that I walked out of rooms with a no. My dear friend, listen to me. It's not about the no or the yes. It's just about being faithful to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Number four. I think one of the things that would help out tremendously is for us to see our life as an offering to God rather than a monument to men. Look at verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. See, that's the way Paul saw himself. He saw himself as an offering to God rather than a monument to men. How important is that? As a matter of fact, here's what Paul is sharing with Timothy. He said, you need to think of yourself as the sacrifice. Boy, that'll cut against the grain today. Please listen to me. It's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. Are you ready? It's not about me. And please, if I could ever encourage you to, don't ever put me up on a monument. Don't ever put me up on a pedestal. My dear friend, I want you to understand, this doesn't belong to me. This is his work, not mine. I get to serve alongside of you together in the kingdom. But it belongs to him. Not to me. This thing's not about, it's not about me. So let me ask you a question. How do you see your life? Is a drink offering being poured out to God? Boy, look what I've accomplished. You know, I read a lot of the Old Testament prophets. Ones like Isaiah and Amos and, and many of the other Old Testament prophets. You know, one of the things that they were told over and over and over again? Here's what they were told. You're going to deliver this message to Israel or Judah, but they're not going to listen to you. And matter of fact, you're going to suffer some things delivering this message as a result of the message itself. My dear friend, listen to me, please. It is not about us. It is not about us generating and producing numbers. It's not about you and I producing results. It's about us just being faithful to what God's called us to do. 
And my dear friend, that's how you finish strong, realizing that the results are not about me. The results are about him. And if I could say something this morning along those lines, we need to quit working on our image and start working on our offering. Number five, verse seven. Remember that finishing well is the final proof that the truth works. That the truth works. I can tell you. You know it works. It's here. Let me ask you a question. How many have gone on before us already? How many of us have... I mean, you take out the Scripture and you begin reading all the way through it. How many have gone before us? How many of those that we know personally have gone on before us that stuck with it till the time they drew their last breath? I never will forget Grandma. Bless her heart. She was in the church that I pastored in South Georgia. At 90 years of age, and I know we have some here in this church, but at 90 years of age, out in the country, Grandma drove, her, her, drove herself to church in a little red pickup truck. I'll never forget it God I'd see her. She'd drive herself to church Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday morning for worship, back on Sunday night for Sunday night church, and again on Wednesday night and, and any other time that she could be there. She used to make these apple turnovers, okay? They were the best things I ever put in my mouth. And let me tell you something, I used to wonder, how in the world do you get that flavor out of those? I never will forget, I was over at her house one day. We were sitting out in the swing. I used to stop by there quite often, not for the apple turnovers. But just to listen to her talk. She was a part of that church when they first began meeting in a brush arbor. But I did have to ask her on this one occasion. I said, Grandma, I said, how do you get those apple turnovers to taste so good? She said, I'm going to let you in on a secret. She said, I'm going to make you up a few. Come in the kitchen right now. She pulls out this black cast iron skillet. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting for her to get the vegetable oil or whatever. Uh-uh. She takes the lid off of this bucket. It was not Crisco. But it was a bucket of lard. Now I know why those apple turnovers <laughs> tasted the way that they did. But let me tell you something. Here's what she told me. She said, I'll go and I'll be there at church as long as I can because I know there's a day coming when I'll not be able to get there. Finishing well is the final proof that the truth works. Look at verse 7. And here's what Paul said. He said, I fought the good fight. He said, I've finished the course. And notice what he says next. 
and I've kept the faith. And I've kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I have finished the course. And I've kept the faith. People say, you don't understand. That's Paul. I do understand. Paul's no different than you and I. Except for something in his life. He understood the significance of the gospel. He understood the significance of gathering together. He understood what it was to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. But he also understood that his life was an offering. It was not a monument. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. And I've kept the faith. And then finally, number six. We need to fix our eyes on the rewards of heaven rather than the allurements of this world. And look as Paul finishes with Timothy. He says, in the future... He says, still ahead, but in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And are you ready? You ought to underline the rest of it. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see that? Paul said, not just to me. Not just to me. But to all of those who loved his appearing. So if I can encourage your hearts this morning, it would be with this. Let's keep our eyes focused on the kingdom. But we need to keep our minds alert to the traps that this world tries to snare us with in closing this morning God can do amazing things to people and I'm going to tell you something go read the scripture go read some of the Bible read what God has done through the lives of people look in here look around you God it's not finished yet. And you ready for this? I don't care who you are. I don't care how young or old you are. God can do amazing things through his people. Here's what we fight every day. It's not allowing ourselves to become entangled with what the world has to offer don't get choked out don't lose your first love for the Lord love him today like you loved him when he saved you serve him today as much as you're desired to serve him when you got saved the race is not over. Let's pray. Father.